set your core focus and stick to it. If you focus on your core, what you do really, really well, you'll make money. You'll make good money and you'll be very good at what you do. Welcome to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of wholesaling and house flipping businesses. The systems and automation that we discuss will help you build a real business instead of another job for yourself. From beginners to those doing hundreds of thousands a year, we go deep into the details and strategies that are working today. And now your host, Bill Allen. Hey everybody, welcome to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen and today I do not have a guest. It's just going to be me and you talking and what I want to talk about is it being the end of 2019, the end of the year, the end of the decade. I want to talk about my 2019 year in review and a lot of this came from, we're talking about you know, planning for the end of the year. We're talking about so the past podcast have been about some of our members and runway and altitude members and everything and I was talking to one of our Altitude members who's highly successful and what she said to me is she said, I've really had a tough year and I can't wait to be like you where everything you touch turns to gold. And I just took a second and said, you know what, as I look back on my 2019, I had a lot of things come up that were not planned, that were not successful and a lot of goals that I wanted to achieve that I didn't meet. And I told her about a couple of different things that had happened. And at the end of that conversation, she said, she said, you know what? I, I feel, I hate the fact that you didn't reach your goals. And there were some things that you did that, that didn't work, that crashed and burned. But it makes me feel good in knowing how successful you are, that you still struggle and fail and have problems and things that don't work out. And I'm not, by no means was she saying that I'm so happy that you're failing, but she's saying, you know what? Sometimes it feels like I'm the only one who is sitting here having trouble or struggling. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to put together an entire podcast as I look back on my 2019 and just share my early goals. As you guys know, I run a company called Blackjack Real Estate. We're wholesalers and flippers in three different markets right now in Nashville, Tennessee, Chattanooga, Tennessee, and Pensacola, Florida. And we do, you know, we do a lot of deals. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to come back and I reviewed all of, I sat down with Nate, my, our COO, and I reviewed everything that we set up on uh, December 31st, 2018. What is our plan for 2019? And then what I wanted to do is I want to compare it to how we did and just openly share all of that stuff with you guys. So hopefully it's okay that I get real, I dig into everything that we were trying to do this year and some of the areas that we we succeeded and some of the areas where we crashed and burned. And it was pretty eye-opening to me. It takes me to this this Bill Gates, Bill Gates quotes, quote that all of you have probably heard hundreds and hundreds of times. And I know that I think about it every year when I set my goals. He says, most people typically overestimate what they can do in a year and underestimate what they can do in 10 years. And no year, I think, is that more obvious than 2019. We came out of the gate swinging this year. We wanted to do a ton of deals, make a ton of money, try to get do everything that we possibly could, fix 20 problems in one year and grow and hold people accountable and do more deals than we ever have and all of that stuff. So let's just dig into it. So I'm going to be looking down. If you guys are watching the video, you'll see me kind of looking down at my notes. I got my 2019, I got my, my annual planner. I've got all my notes, everything that, that I've been researching and doing. So I've, there's a couple of times where I'm going to reference this. So Here's, here's what we set in 2019. So on December 31st, 2018, we had a quor our quarterly meeting at the end of the year in 2018. And this is what we wanted to do in 2019. $3.5 million gross profit. So this is on December 31st, 2019. So this is like the day after you'll listen to this podcast. This is what we plan to do. $3.5 million in gross profit. We didn't have a number of deal goal for that. It was just a monetary goal of profit. Uh, entrepreneurial operating system, EOS, operating at 85% or higher, 12 creative financing deals, 12 agent referral deals. We wanted to have a budget for each department and running off of variance reports inside the company. We wanted to have dispositions profit per deal increased by 20%. So all the deals that we sell, the profit per deal for each property to go up 20%. 36 flips with an average of about $30,000 per profit per deal. So over a million dollars in flip profit. 3,500 new podio leads with an ROI, so return on investment of greater than $3 per lead. And niche marketing producing 30 deals. 
So before I dig into how we do, how we, how we did, let, what I want to do is I want to talk about each of these goals and why we set them for the annual year. And so the three and a half million dollars of profit last year, we did $2.3 million. And what we did was we broke it down and said, we're in these different markets and we're doing these different things. So Chattanooga should make us $500,000 in profit. And we had a deal number that we put to it, 48 deals in Chattanooga. Nashville, a million dollars. We thought we could pull a million dollars out of Nashville and do 60 deals. Pensacola, another million dollars in profit, 72 deals. And Flips, $1 million in profit, 36 deals. So that's how we broke it down in the beginning of the year to how we would get to three and a half million. So we got even more granular than just saying three and a half million. And we thought it was reasonable with the team that we had. We looked at past performance. We looked at where the market was going. We looked at all those things. And that's where we thought we could hit. And then entrepreneurial operating system. So EOS, you guys have heard us talk about traction. I had uh, uh, Dan on the podcast recently we, where we talked, about, um, we talked about EOS and and what it is. So you guys have a background on that. 85% or higher. So we wanted to be efficient in that, which means running our L10s, meeting our rocks. So meeting our quarterly goals, meeting our to-dos and showing up on time on, at the meetings and being present and doing all the things that happen, building out our processes, everything that's running on EOS, 85% or higher. Because it was just getting more efficient in the business. We knew that we had to be as efficient as possible if we wanted to compete. Uh, 12 creative financing deals. I had been trying to do seller finance deals with my acquisitions reps for years. And I figured if we put it on an annual rock, this is the way that will stand out above our competition. This is like 10% or less of the number of deals that we do per year and trying to get them to do some more creative financing deals, not requiring as much capital. 12 agent referrals. I've been trying to figure out how to crack the code on referring our leads to agents where they actually convert and we make a percentage. I have a real estate license. Some of my other staff has real estate licenses. So getting a referral fee from agents and trying to figure that out. And we've been unsuccessful with that. So that's why we made it. And we knew that we could bring in more revenue by sharing, like maximizing our leads and getting every dollar out of every lead possible. Uh, the budget for each department and running off of variance reports. My money was tied up in this company in the beginning of this year, I had about, I had hundreds of thousands of dollars into the company, just funding deals and things like that. And I was really stressed personally, uh, my finances towards the end of last year, because I didn't have a lot of free cash of my own. It was, I was funding the company's growth of the company's operational costs and things like that as we were growing with my personal money. And I didn't like the feeling of it. I was, I really was, there was times where I wasn't sure in, in the end of 2018 and early 2019, how I was going to pay my credit card bills because we, my line of credits were out. My cash was tied up in the company. We had all these deals going on and I was trying to figure out how to, um, how to, you know, pay for all the things that we were doing personally with, uh, you know, all the, I, I just bought an airplane and done a bunch of other things and all my cash was out there. It was just out and, and working, which is great, but it was really stressing me out. So that's why that budget for each department and running off a variance report was really to figure out how to get my money back and build reserves in the company. Uh, dispositions, profit per deal. Obviously, we wanted to figure out how to get as much money as we possibly could out of our list and selling the houses because we knew that the marketing cost was going up. So we needed to have to figure out how to sell the deals for more. Uh, the flipping company, we we knew that we should be making about a million dollars in all the flips that we were doing. We we had a goal the year before to flip 50 houses. We actually brought that down to 36 this past year to try to figure out how to get another million out and how to be more efficient with our flipping business. The Podio leads, that's, that's the top end of our funnel. That's obvious. Niche marketing. So Ryan Smith was inside the company working with us and we really wanted to go niche and find the, the ways that we could dig in to find a little bit cheaper lead sources like some of the niche stuff and uh, bigger spreads. So him kind of taking that and doing 30 deals with it. So that's kind of the breakdown of why we created that, all these goals. And let me just tell you how we did. So here's how we did. And I'm just going to get real and be vulnerable with you guys. Hopefully that's okay. And I'm going to share the real, like this is, this is exactly what we did. So I'm recording this a little bit before the end of the year. So we're at about two and a half million instead of three and a half million. So there's a million dollar variance there. And we will probably do a little bit more than that over the next week or so before you hear this podcast, somewhere around 2.6, 2.8, something like that, depending on what closes. We might move some stuff into 2020 um, uh, because of taxes for, for a reason to kind of push off the burden like you guys heard me and uh, Chris uh, Picuro talk about on his podcast with my CPA and figure out where to put that money in what bucket and where that makes sense. But somewhere between 2.5 to 2.8 million. So we're just, just under a million dollars short of our gross profit goal. You can imagine what that does to a company that is expecting to and projecting and forecasting to do three and a half million. And so 
Fortunately, we had, and we'll talk about some of the challenges that we had, but we had some staff that, um, that didn't work out. We had some gaps we had some transitions. So we weren't paying a bunch of money that I thought we were going to be paying for team members as we were going out looking for new team, team members and things like that as we had some turnover. So two and a half million dollars to, to $2.8 million. EOS operating at 80% or higher. So we're definitely not operating 85% or higher. So I'd say we're probably somewhere in the high 70s. So what we do is we give everybody an assessment so they can assess where we're at. And I put us at a, somewhere in the high 70s. So we're, we're not even at 80% yet. So I don't think we've hit that one either. Uh, 12 creative financing deals, we did six. So I'm happy that we did some creative financing deals, but I think 12 wasn't even really a stretch. But we did have some acquisitions turnover, some new people that came on. A lot of our staff in 2019 was new on the acquisition side. And our one team member who is, is, has been with us for the whole year, he was doing a lot of these. And some of the new team members that came on towards the end of the year, they're starting to do these as well. So I'm seeing definite progress there, but we definitely didn't hit our 12. We did six. The, so another one, another failure. So done or not done is how we do it in EOS. This is not done, not done. Uh, 12 agent referral deals. We had zero, zero referrals to agents where agents were giving a referral commission back to us. So disappointing, but this definitely was not our focus. So what I saw in the beginning of the year was this is where I thought we needed to go, but so many other things happened and came up. We just completely shifted our focus off this because it was not the closest alligator to the boat, as I like to say. Budgeting for each department and running off a variance report. So my money was tied up in the company. I was stressed out. And what happened after we did make this a rock and an annual goal is we got to the point where my money came out. After about three months, I was able to get my money back out. I felt much more comfortable this year. So after about March or April, right around there, I started getting a lot more comfortable. And we'll talk about that when I get to some of my personal things, because I'm not just going to talk about blackjack today. I'm going to talk about everything that happened in my 2019. So that was the budgeting side. We, I feel we're still not, we're still not like nailing our budget. We also hired a controller, Madison, who's fantastic. And she's starting to get things running off the budget and the variance reports and things like that. So we're definitely getting close, but I think that's also not done. Dispositions, profit per deal to increase by 20%. We increased by 12%. So while I'm happy with that, I feel like we could have done more in 20%, but Increasing our profit per deal by 12% is a lot. So our average profit per deal is just over $15,000 for the year for the wholesale company, which I think is really, really strong for what we have been. When I started this company, we were about $8,000 on average, and then we moved up to about 10 and then 12. And now this year, we're, we're right up there around 15 plus. So really, really good stuff from the disposition side. The 36 flips, this is, I'm going to skip this one for a second because this is hands down our biggest failure as a company, and I want to dive into it a little bit. So, 3,500 new Podio leads with an ROI of greater than $3 a, a deal, a lead. So, our ROI is about is $3.85 for um, every deal that comes through. So, every dollar that's spent on marketing, we get $3.85 coming back this year, which is, which is very good. I think three or more when you're at a business level and size the way that, that we are, I think it works well. And we had 3,006 leads instead of 3,500. So, we're just under that. So, obviously not done. I like that our ROI is higher than close to $4. And um, we actually... To, get, to hit our three and a half million, what you're going to see when I start talking about the flipping company is we didn't have to do more deals to hit this three and a half million. We just had to be more efficient with what we were doing on the flipping side of the business. And the other numbers would have come into play and we would have hit our three and a half million. So I feel happy with that, although it was below our goal. So not done. Niche marketing producing 30 deals. Niche marketing in-house produced nine deals. And what we did was obviously you guys know, you heard Ryan Smith on the podcast. You, you heard him at Flip Hacking Live this year, 2019. And he runs a company called Lead Smith. So he went out on his own and started doing niche marketing for, for other folks. And we got to the point where he actually left our company full time and we still do deals with him, but I'm not necessarily including them in here. That's more of his, his, what he's doing. So that was very, very successful. What he does for us is fantastic. And if you guys are working with him, you know. So I love that we're still working with him, but we took this out of house. So it's not in-house anymore. He does it for us inside of his company, Leadsmith. So also not done, obviously. So let's go back to the flips. And this is where I think our biggest issue was. Two years ago, we started working with a, a partner to flip houses with us. And we did a percentage split on the deals where I don't live down in Pensacola anymore. He knows the market. He knows everything that's going on down there. And 
we wanted to do, we basically, we came in, we set up a plan and the first year was good and we bought a bunch of inventory and we brought a project manager down, hired a project manager and my partner down there was managing the project manager. And what, what I found was we didn't have it set up properly. This, the, I don't like the setup that we had with, with the people that were like my partner managing this project manager and the project manager managing the, the contractors and the, the hourly people, there just wasn't a lot of accountability. And what happened was things got lost and the management started to suffer. So the project started taking longer and we didn't see it necessarily in the first year. But when I give you the stat here for this year, it's going to be, it's pretty embarrassing, frankly. This is, this is what I shared with Dana when she was asking me about like everything that we do touch, everything I touch turns to gold. We plan to do a million dollars in flips this year. We made $35,000 on the projects that we actually built up and, and fixed and flipped this year in Pensacola. And the reason was because these projects started taking forever. So we stopped buying this year, seeing that there were all these issues, we um, had to let go of some of the project management, the contractors. There was a hurricane that came and all of our contractors went to, to go deal with that and go down to um, uh, work on other projects and just basically disappear. So there's a lot of manpower issues. None of these are excuses, by the way. These are some of the things that we can point to that directly happened that could have affected this. But we basically, what happened is last year, we sold off a ton of inventory that was really good. Think of like banks that have ghost inventory. You buy all these houses, you get over leveraged, you, you have too many people and, and, uh, and we have too many houses. We don't have the right staff. We don't have the right people. We don't have the resources needed to fix them up. And so what happened is some of the stuff just got, was just put on the back burner while the other ones got fixed up. And now what's happening is this inventory. Some of it is losses. Some of it is minor gains. Some of it's break even. And some of it we're making money and we still have some, we have about five houses that we're still fixing and, and renovating and resell. And some of that is what's about to come in. So this is going to be more than $35,000, but it won't be more than one hundred fifty dollars or $200,000. I'll tell you that, depending on if they close on time and things like that. So what we've got is we had this problem, we saw it, and we basically wanted to kind of just stop doing that or get to the point where we got to fix the problem in the system. So what we did was we stopped buying houses. And as we started selling off this inventory at a loss, you start seeing these numbers come down. So they started at, we had $150,000 profit, then, you know, $120,000. Then we lose another $5,000. It just comes down and goes up and, and kind of landed us around $35,000. Probably will be around, uh, we have some houses that are selling that are going to be profitable for sure. So, and this is another one of the reasons why my money was tied up in the company because we weren't necessarily buying a lot more, but we had these houses that were just sitting on the inventory for a long time and on the books. And I know that, that it sounds really bad, but we did of that 35 to two and a half million plus in wholesale revenue. Had we even gotten close to our million dollars in flip revenue, we would have hit our goals. We would have hit our monetary goals with about 165 to 180 deals somewhere, depending on what deals close in the next few weeks is, is where we'll land. So actually doing less deals, making more money, it could have worked. And I've got some lessons learned to share with you guys, but this is just me completely, just the fact that we were not good at that this year. This was not our core focus. My entire company and system is built around wholesaling, marketing and sales and, and, and the fulfillment of disposing of these properties to other flippers. We were not focused. We, we took our eye off the ball. We let someone else run with it. And, you know, him and I have talked, we know exactly where we are and where we stand and some of the issues that we had. And we tried to grow too big, too fast. I know that a lot of you can relate to that. A lot of people come into the mastermind and they just want to blow it up and just spend money and go, go, go. And unless you're really intentional about it, you can run the risk of doing exactly what we just did, where we're losing money on houses, we're making money here, you're not sure where, and we make $35,000. That's not including all the operational expenses that it costs to manage that stuff. So if that was my only business, my only job in, inside my company, we'd be failing. So the one lesson learned that I have a takeaway from that one specifically is stick to your core focus. So set your core focus and stick to it. So if your core focus is wholesaling, then focus there. If your core focus is flipping, then do that. If your core focus is flipping high-end houses, and that's what you do and you do it really well, then 
don't flip other houses. If your core focus is on flipping first and second time home buyers, don't go buy a $1.5 million house and try to do a high-end high end home. It's not what you do. If you focus on what you are, your core, what you do really, really well, you'll make money. You'll make good money and you'll be very good at what you do. So had we just, and I'll tell you, to make $35,000 this year, or I don't know, you know, 100 to 150, whatever it ends up being, but it's definitely not a million. We spent so much of our time and effort on that and trying to get it to work. And it was pulling all of our energy because that's where we were having so many problems. So we're spending all this time over there looking at that, where we probably could have built that wholesale business from two and a half to three plus million if we focused on that. So stick to your core focus. That's number one. So you guys can see that was one of the big issues that I had. So um, hopefully, Dana, you're listening to this and everybody else out there, you can see that everything that I do does not turn to gold. This was a major failure this year and a big lesson learned for me in what we do. And so what you guys will hear when I you know, roll out the 2020 plan and what we plan on going forward is this is not part of our 2020 plan is, is doing that. We, the wholesale side of our business where we just bought, we bought house, we cleaned it up and we put it on the MLS that was averaging somewhere 40,000 plus per deal. We did like 10 of those. That brought in almost a half million dollars for us where we didn't have to tear walls down and do all these things. So we shifted our focus about halfway through the year to make sure that we started doing some of that instead of the full on full blown renovations and fix, uh, fixing and flipping houses. And I'm not saying that we, we couldn't do it if we focused on it, but that's not what our company is set up to do right now. And we learned it you know, somewhat the hard way. So Okay. That, that's one of the lessons learned. So I'm just going to go down. You guys can see like all of, it was a no for every single one of my goals. We didn't hit a single one. We didn't nail a single one of ours. So if you think that I'm not setting, we're not setting too big and too broad of goals for the year, then like obviously that, that Bill Gates quote that I shared in the beginning is 100% true for us. I think this was attainable, but the one thing that we have to look at is everything would have had to go right for us to hit these numbers and do these things. And while we want that to happen, that's not always the case, right? We don't always do, like, everything isn't perfect. Nate and I would have had to been on the same page. Our staff would have had to been the, the exact right fit. And I think what we did this year, looking back on 2019, is we built the strongest foundation possible over the year. We moved some people around to seats, and I'm going to talk about that in some of the lessons learned. But really knowing where you're at in your business and what's possible. We had, in order to hit three and a half million and do all of these things, 12 creative financing uh, deals, 12 agent referrals, the budget set, dispositions increasing by 20%, 36 flips at, uh, you know, 27.7 profit to make a, a $1 million, 3,500 podio leads, niche marketing, producing 30 deals. Every single person would have had to been the right person, right seat. And we would have had to kind of, we were busting through the next ceiling. And to do that, we really had to outgrow and shed our old skin to really bust through. So, Here's some of the, the big lessons learned that hopefully you can take away from this in the, the blackjack failures. And, uh, and there are some wins in here for sure. We, had some, we have some awesome stuff. We built an incredible foundation, which you guys know. You've met a lot of the staff on stage at Flip Hacking Live. You've heard them on the podcast. And if you're in one of our runway or altitude groups, then you hear them on, our, on their weekly call. They're just amazing. And we found all of them in this year and this, this growth period, and they stepped up as leaders. That is the number one thing that we did really, really well this year. Um, and it wasn't on our list. So annual goals set. So all quarterly goals should directly support your annual goals. So I pulled our annual goals. I didn't pull our quarterly goals. If you look at our quarterly goals each year, which we call rocks in EOS, they don't match these annual goals directly. And so what happened was every quarter we move, we shift our focus from our annual goal that we set in December of 2018 and then after three months, we say, okay, actually we need, to, we put out like the, kind of the, the brightest burning fires, the closest alligator to the boat, which it changes from our annual goals. But if all of our quarterly goals are directly in support to our annual goals, then we will hit our annual goals. What happened was we kept moving our focus and moving our focus and the cheese kept moving and we kept moving with it. So we're not going to hit our annual goals if we don't focus on it every quarter. And that's why we have these accountability groups inside the mastermind. That's why we do these 12 week year. That's why we do our, you know, uh, 90 day cycles is so that we can take those little bites of these big annual goals and we weren't focused on them. So that's one big lesson learned that we're going to take away this year. When we sit down and set our annual goals for 2020, 
and exactly where we're going, then we're going to also make sure that all of our quarterly goals directly support that annual goal. The next one is to stop making poor performance excuses for good people. So right people, right seats, we talk about in EOS a lot. And that's what you need. You need to have the right people in the right seats. And another quote is, you know, that, that we talk about all the time inside the company is the people that got you here might not be the right people to get you there. So if you're busting through the next ceiling, the next, you know, you really need to have this great foundation of people, right? People is the number one thing that you have to have. And so we were constantly making excuses, like poor performance excuses for good people. They're great people. They're just not the right fit in the right seat. So you've got to make sure that you got the right, not just the right person, but they're also in the right seat. So if you have the right person in the wrong seat, you might have to move them somewhere else. And that's a lot of what this was. We, this year we were making excuses for great people just not doing the right role. And what we see is we see that in the revenue. We see that in the goals, not hitting the goals. We see all of that come out, but those are lag indicators. We want to be, we want to get that stuff in the upfront in the beginning. So stick to the core focus. I talked about that. And the last one is you got to make your decisions as the business owner, the entrepreneur, the person who, the visionary, whatever you want to call yourself. And, and if you're an integrator, if you're a COO listening to this or, or anybody who's working for another company, you've got to make the best decision for the company. So for the good of the company, always period, that is the answer. You've always got to make every decision about the good of the company. So is this the best thing for the company? Not how I feel. I'm a bit of an emotional decision maker. I know that I can let people go a little bit longer than, than I would like, but um, just because they're great people, I really like them. They have a family. There's, it's a rough time. You know, all these things are going on. We're just constantly making excuses for them when it's, just, it's they're great people and they're the right person. They just might not be in the right seat, or they might need to be released and go do something else that they're much much better at, that, at than this. So that is was a big thing for us. And just make, every decision is a long term strategic decision for the good of the company. And that was a big thing for us this year. So. Hopefully that helped guys. That was my blackjack year in review. So not everything we touch turns to gold. Some of the cities produced a little bit higher than we thought. Some of the cities produced a little bit lower than we thought. And I can't wait to, to kind of dig into 2020 and where we're going to go and what we're going to do. So that was, that's the company. So and I don't share a ton about the real estate company on here and what we're doing, but I also want to talk a little bit about my personal goals. So what I did to prepare for this podcast was I opened up my, uh, my planner, my annual planner, and I looked and saw what some of my goals were in the beginning of the year. And I have some different goals that I create in the beginning of the year. So in different, different areas. So one of them was, um, can I spend more time with my blackjack staff? So I knew at the, at the beginning of this year, Nate had been on as my COO for, for a year. So this is his second year. And I knew that I was spending a lot of time with the mastermind group and seven figure flipping. And I was running the company as the COO at the time. And looking back, I was wondering, I wrote down right here in the beginning of the year, can I spend more time with the blackjack staff? And so I'll answer that in a little bit. And, and some other things that I wrote down were some other areas. So career goals, financial goals, personal development goals, spiritual goals, educational goals. So professional development, I call them, uh, relationship goals and physical and health goals. So when I, kind of analyzed my life at the beginning of this year, what I saw was that I felt like my career goals and my financial goals were going, going well. I feel like personal development and professional development were, were good as well. So I do a lot of kind of um, reading. I've been trying to read about 50 books a year and I failed on that last year. I failed on that this year too, which I'll talk about. But I feel like some of my other areas were not going as well. So the work and financial stuff was good. Um, health was getting there. So um, one thing for my health was I said, I want to continue to work out and be in the gym. So that's what I said. I wanted to continue to kind of, I had started my weight loss journey and my health journey in about, I think it was like July of 2018. So we were getting there come October of 2018. I remember flip packing live there. I had lost some weight. I had to get some new clothes. And then I finally hit like in the early stages of July, March, April, somewhere around there of 2019, I hit kind of the lowest weight and I uh, was in the gym working out again on a, a five day a week basis. And I felt really good. So definitely that was an area in the beginning of the year that I wanted to continue to work on. So I was getting close to above 80%, but I, I didn't feel like I was there yet. And then 2019, I feel like I accomplished that. I feel like health 
health and wellness and fitness, I feel really, really good about what I did and accomplished in 2019. With the work and financial, I feel like I, 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 I was good there. I feel like I started getting my money back in early 2019 out of the company. I started feeling uh, better financially and in my work life. So I feel like I was you know, reaching those career goals and then the personal development and professional development going to different conferences. So in 2019, I went to a couple different conferences outside of um, uh, Flip Hacking Live and our seven figure flipping mastermind meetings. I went to some that were way outside of this industry. I wanted to do more personal development. I wanted to do some professional development as an entrepreneur and a business owner. And and outside, just I feel like real estate, we got lots of real estate, which I love. So I went to let's see, five, um, five events inside of seven figure flipping. So I got to speak at and run Flip Hacking Live last year, which was incredible in 2019. And uh, I'll come back to that in a second. I, we got to go in May, we got to go with the eight figure group to Africa. So I got to go on safari in Africa, which was un unbelievable. It was one of my favorite things that I've ever done in my entire life. And just for, and my, my wife came, my wife's birthday, Lucy's birthday was there. It was also Mother's Day. So her birthday happened to land on Mother's Day last year. And it was just amazing to have that experience together and, and be there and, and do that from a, a personal kind of bucket list type thing as well as the professional development that I got. So all of the professional development there was fantastic. And then what I did was I, in running these events, running Flip Hacking Live every year, I want to see how other people run their events. So I went to a couple other events, number one for me, for my personal development, but also to see how they run their events and to see if we can incorporate any of those ideas and things in ours. And just to give me some different aspects, you, you heard if you're a Flip Hacking Live about watching game film, right? Walter talked about watching game film. It's basically what I was doing. I was going and just watching other game film to see how we could be better and, and put on the best event possible. So I really love that. And some of those things that I got, I, I met some speakers there that have come spoken at our events and been on the podcast and things like that, that have just been amazing. So I feel like all of those areas were, were good. Uh, so professional development, personal development, uh, financial goals, career goals, and physical, physical health. And so where I think I, sh I was struggling in 2019 and looking back where I still need work is number one, the relationship side. So my relationship with my wife and with my kids. And um, uh, spiritual, I feel like I'm, I'm never going to master that, but I definitely want to become um, more spiritual, more involved. I want to continue to read the Bible. My son and I read through the children's storybook Bible multiple times last year. I, I continued to read the Bible, but I did not get through kind of cover to cover like I wanted to. And, um, but I did read through the children's storybook Bible at least twice. So I don't know if that counts. But, um, and then the, the personal side with fun and leisure and friends. I feel like that is the area where all of these areas I'm struggling with. So what I, I had a goal and one of them was to put my phone in a box in the beginning of the year between the hours of 5.30 and 7.30. So for Christmas last year, I gave my wife a box. I wrote a note in it. And for all you hardworking working men or women, women out there, this is a, a tip for you guys. And I don't know where I heard it or where I got the idea. Somebody must have given it to me because I'm not original at all. But I wrote a note to her saying, hey, I, I know that I know you want to spend more time with me. I know that you feel like I'm glued to my phone and my computer and I can't turn it off. What I want to do is I, from 5.30 to 7.30 every night, I want to put my phone in this box and I don't want to touch it. I'm not going to look at it. I'm not going to, to hear it. I'm just going to be with you guys. I'm going to play with the kids and, and do all that stuff. And I did a phenomenal job on that for the first uh, five and a half months, six months of the, of the year. And I think the thing that, that happened was when um, I, I looked at buying this company in June, this kind of this hit that at that point, it was, it was a lot of work from June, July, August, and September. And I'm going to come back to that um, when I, uh, when I get to it. So, so I, I performed well on the putting my phone in there for the first six months and it was in there every night, 5.30, 7.30. And I think it really did help with the, the family and relationship side. Um, and I, I don't think that we, I'm in a bad place. It's just so you guys know, but I do feel like I can always, I can get better in there. I want to get it above 80%. So when you look at like eight out of 10 times, I'm doing the right thing. Like, you know, most of the week, most of the time I'm present, I'm there as entrepreneurs, you guys know, we can hardly ever, we can't just can't turn off our brains. It just doesn't work. I'm always thinking about stuff. And sometimes I hate it when my son has to say daddy twice because I'm, in, I'm out in space. I'm in outer space thinking about something something that's happening, something that I need to do, something I forgot about. And just being present is a challenge now with everything, all the plates that are spinning in my life. So 
to be perfectly real, that's one thing that I struggle with in my uh, family life and relationship life is, is trying to figure out this year I had a goal to figure out how to compartmentalize that more and really be present when I'm present and turn it on and off at will. And I'm still working on figuring that out. Just so you guys know, I'm definitely not perfect. I, I don't have it all figured out. And that's an area that every, every week I write significant other and family above 80% in my family and relationships in my book. And then my personal side, fun and leisure. I don't, I don't really have a ton of things. I have things that I like to do, but I just don't feel like I can get to them that much anymore. I feel like I'm focused on business. I work a lot. I do really love to work, but I feel like I also really like to go out and do things. And what, what I find is the seven figure flipping mastermind meetings. That's a lot of kind of my friends, the people that I'm around and I get to be with them and around them at those times and on the coaching calls and things like that. So I feel like I do get that, but locally that's, it's not, that's not really ingrained in me and and what I'm doing right now is, you know, having friends outside of business, outside of the real estate world, outside of where I can, Lucy and I can go spend time with them and have dinner and just basically turn it off again. I feel like that's, I, I love the people that I'm surrounded with and it's fantastic, but I've got to figure out how to have a little bit more fun and, and leisure and basically turn it off and go do those things. We, I, I did have a week this year where we went to Disney World a couple times this year and I remember one week when we went, it was right after I, I bought the company, there were all these things going on and me and Lucy took Will down there and I was sleeping for like 10 hours a day. I was even taking naps. We brought Will back a couple times to take a nap and I just turned it off for an entire week and it was amazing. That's the place that I feel like I can go. That's like my fortress of solitude is down at Disney World. I can put my phone away and I can just be engaged and engulfed in what's going on and there's not, not a care in the world. So I'm always, right now I'm asking Lucy, like when can we go back? When can we go back? When can we go back? Because that's, it seems to be my kind of happy place and my fortress of solitude if you are a Superman fan. And, um, and so friends, we kind of talk about, so fun and leisure, friends, significant other, and a spiritual life. So the spiritual side of things, really making sure that I'm making that a, a priority in my life, going to church and really digging into that and spending time. I, I really am looking forward to the time where my kids can get a little bit older and I can be more involved where I'm not having to carry kind of babies around and bringing them into church and, uh, you know, kind of dropping them off at the, at the daycares, but really being able to go to a service and then serve for a service or two afterwards, either in the uh, children's ministry or, or somewhere else inside the church. So I feel like we're starting to get over that hump and we're getting to a point where um, we can be more involved in the community and do some of the things that I want to do. I feel like the the giving that we did this year between um, all, all the companies towards Operation Underground Railroad and a lot of other things that we support has been amazing. That's been a great win for us. And uh, looking back, a lot of huge things happened in my life this year. So um, when Lucy and I were talking about, uh, we had uh, Lucas you know, uh, two years ago, he's turning two in February of 2020. So in 2018, in February, we said we are kind of outgrowing the house. We didn't expect to be here in Nashville for more than six months. And we were in that house for two years. And so we started looking for a little bit bigger house and a little bit change. And we just moved two miles down the road this year. We bought a new house. I think it was around April time. So that's a huge thing that happened in my life that I actually forgot about until I looked back and saw what we were doing. And then, um, obviously the seven figure flipping company and it, it is, a, I never expected. So when I sit down and write my 2019 plans and goals, obviously included seven figure flipping cause I was running the company and I was doing all those things, but I never thought in a million years that I would be the owner of this company looking back in the, at the end of 2019, that I would be owning the company, running the company. And uh, it's just amazing to see, Sorry, I'm trying to turn on a light here so you guys can see me. It got really dark. The, it's just amazing to see that transition. I never thought that was going to happen in a million years. It was not on the plan. It, was not, uh, it, it wasn't something that was obviously going to happen uh, this year. So when it did, looking back now, it's such a big change. And so what I want to sh- share with you guys in this light is you have no idea what's coming this next year. And when you look back into 2019, there's going to be things that happened that you, you wanted to happen. And there's things that happened that you didn't want to happen or you didn't think were going to happen. 
And it doesn't matter. It's, it's how you handle those things as they come up throughout the year. It's not, when you look back, there's going to be things that you think, even the things that you didn't think were going to happen can be really, really good, incredible things. And these are just opportunities that are being presented to you throughout the year. We've talked about this in the past, but the number one thing that I want you guys to pull from this is there is opportunity everywhere. And there's a lot of people that have come up to me and said, oh my gosh, you're so lucky or you're, uh, even in your business, you're so lucky to have found that person. You have the, like, the best sales guy or you have the best COO. You're so lucky. And I, I mean, look, you guys have probably all heard luck is when oppor- uh, opportunity meets preparation, right? You've got to put yourself in that situation. You've got to force yourself to that place to be able to get lucky. Like you are not lucky. You are in the right place with the right skills, doing the right things to be able to have that opportunity. You know, so I, look, I joined this mastermind group four years ago and I paid to, to join the group and I, there was something there. There was something about listening to this podcast and that was drawing me in. I could hear this authenticity. I could hear realness. I could hear something that I wanted to be a part of. It just drew me in. Right. And I was lucky to have found the podcast, but I was looking for podcasts and I listened to hundreds. I listened to dozens and dozens of podcasts. And I found one that really resonated with me and somebody that was speaking my language. And the word systems kept coming into play. And then the word seven figure, I said, oh my gosh, seven figures in a year. This is awesome. So it wasn't lucky that I found the podcast. It was the fact that I, I listened to 10, 12, 20, 30 podcasts and found one that resonated with me. And it was somebody that I wanted to do business with and be a part of. And then that they said, hey, I've got this new program, this new group. And you got to pay $25,000 to be in it. And I could have said, oh, this is a joke. Like, no, no way. I'm not, I'm not paying. And I did. In my mind, I was, this is crazy. Uh, I was getting books at the library. I was, everybody was saying, don't pay for something. Don't pay for something. Don't pay for coaching. Don't pay for this. You don't need to pay for that. You can learn it all on YouTube. You can do anything, whatever. So, and I said, you know what? I'm going to research this a little bit. I'm going to dig in. I'm going to, I'm going to apply. I'm going to see if they'll take me. I'm going to do, I'm going to take this next step and this next step. The opportunities kept presenting themselves. And finally I said, okay, I'm, I'm in, I'm going to, I'm in. Sent the guy $25,000, show up in the mastermind meeting. And then I had the choice at that point to commit and put my all into it and take action on the things that they were telling me to do and the things that were working for other people and then refine them and adjust them. And it was not easy But what that did was it prepared me for the next opportunity that came along and the next opportunity and the next opportunity. And I kept saying yes to certain, and then it was my choice. I'm going to choose this opportunity or this opportunity, and I'm going to decide which direction to go. And from there, I just kept putting everything that I had into it. And the leadership of the community, Justin, Andy, all of them saw me as somebody that they think could help the business get to the next level. So they said, hey, you want to come in and help uh, be one of the mentors inside the group? Yeah, I, I do. You know, I do want to do that. That sounds awesome. And then I saw the fact that my staff was getting neglected, basically. They wanted to grow and scale. And I was spending so much time over in Seven Figure Flipping. So I said, I've got to figure out how to find somebody to replace me, to be the leader of this organization if I want to do both. And so I went out and put myself in a scary situation of hiring a COO and paying somebody to replace me inside the business and pouring into them and training them. And I did that and I was able to become the COO for this organization. So then of course, when the time came, when Justin wanted to step away this year in 2019 and said, hey, who, who would be able to take this and run with it and do really well with it? Who else than the person who has poured all of their time, effort, energy, um, put in 110% all the time and has prepared themselves to be able to take the baton and run with it down the road. And be trust in me to make the changes that I think are necessary to make this group as great as it possibly can be. And this podcast as great as it can be. And all of our mastermind groups and our event flip hacking live to be as great as possible. And so this was the hardest thing for me this year. I remember sitting down with my wife and saying, this is going to be a challenge. This is not going to be easy. Are you sure you're okay with me taking this on? Because remember my, uh, my significant other, my family and relationship, my, my uh, fun and leisure, my friends, all below 80%. I have a flat tire in all of these different areas of my life, I feel like. And I knew that taking this on was going to make those, maybe the air go out of those even more. 
before I got this thing running to the place where I can start pouring back in there. And sure enough, my wife said, look, if this is what you want to do, then I, I support it. I think that you should. Uh, I know that you really love it. I really, you really love all those people. You love going to those events. I have not missed an event in four years. I have not missed one event in four years. Not one. There's probably only, maybe I'd have to ask Mike Simmons. I don't think Mike Simmons has missed an event, but I, there's probably only a couple people in the mastermind group who have not missed a single event. And that is why my professional development and my personal development is as high as it is because I am putting everything that I have into it. I'm attending, I'm getting so much from everybody else, not just what I can put into it. So, so I said, yes, I said, I'm going to do it. And then I was sleeping two and a half, three and a half, four hours a night every night for about two months, three months. So June, the reason my phone was not in the box was because the end of June, all of July, all of August, and most of September was me spent trying to figure out what to do, where to take this, where I wanted to go. My mind was racing. You talk about not being able to turn it off. I could not turn anything off. It was just, that was all that was going through my mind. And I had all these ideas and all these things that I wanted to change and Flip Hacking Live coming up. I had, I had to change everything from the seven months of planning that we had set up for it. We had to scrap everything. And then we only had three months to plan for a whole event that was going to be a massive undertaking, 600 plus people, 20 speakers, people coming from all around the world, three days, plus the three days before for all of our mastermind meetings. And I wasn't sleeping and it was taking a lot out of me. My health was... Uh, I was, I was tired. I was cranky. I was grumpy. It didn't help my significant other. It didn't help my fun and leisure. It didn't help with the friends. And I, but I poured everything that I had into it. And I remember when I went from waking up every single night after those two, two, three months to sleeping, uh, you know, anywhere from six to eight hours, like I normally do again. And it was just amazing because I got everything out of my head. I got it all on paper. We started executing on it. The Boston event went fantastic. The Detroit event went fantastic. And we were up and ready for Flip Hacking Live in October of 2019. And it was an amazing feeling to get to that place, to start building out a team, to start doing exactly what I did inside of Seven Figure Flipping, inside of that I did inside Blackjack Real Estate. And our October event, Flip Hacking Live, was amazing. It was, I, hands down, I mean, I, maybe I'm a little bit biased, but I've also run the other events. But I think there was something about it that just, it was the best event that we've ever put on. And the feedback that we got told me that it's not just me pointing my finger saying this is the best event because, it, because you know, it was me as the owner. It was, it was a different event than we've had in the past. It built on itself every single day. The people, the feedback, the it's just an overwhelming response that we got from the mastermind groups for people wanting to be a part of it for getting excited about next year's event in 2020. It was amazing to see that. And that was kind of the culmination of, of my three months of not sleeping, of putting everything together and doing it on a shoestring team. We didn't have a huge team to do it. It was just amazing that everybody banded together and did that with us. So from October on now, it's been about you know, pouring into our mastermind members, making sure that we're a customer service focused business. We're a, we're focusing on the people inside the mastermind. We're focusing on all of you that listen to the podcast and you guys are getting as much value as you possibly can. And we're preparing for next year's event in October at Flip Hacking Live and all of the events, the crews that we have coming up. We did a CEO COO event in December, which was amazing. Nate and I did one of those for the first time. We had about just under 30 people there. It was a fantastic event. We have um, the cruise coming up in February. We have a huge trip to Turks and Caicos with our seven-figure club, the millionaire uh, members, to go to that event for a week um, in an island. I can't wait for that. We have an event in Atlanta in April. We've got one in Chicago in July. We want to do another CEO, COO event sometime. We have Flip Hacking Live that we took to Orlando from... Uh, San Diego this year in October, October 15th, 16th, and 17th. So some amazing stuff right now going on for 2020, but all of this was in the culmination of the preparation and the opportunity combining to, for what you guys see on the outside is luck. And that's, that's what it is. It's about putting in the time. It's about doing the work. And I've got a quote that I want to share with you guys here. And it's from Thomas Jefferson. It says, I'm a great believer in luck. And I find the harder I work, the more I have of it. And I absolutely love this because I, am, I, I work really, really hard to produce all of this luck. We've talked about, you know, I talked about it at Flip Hacking Live. My dad, come, you know, talking about him, telling his story. And everybody sees him in his engineering business as an overnight success. But that overnight success took decades 
to, to build off of. And the same thing here, you can, you can hear me share about blackjack real estate and people think people still ask me, how'd you get to where you got so fast? I mean, this was five years ago that I started this and we have challenges. We have struggles. We have everything that's going on in our business that's going on in your business. This is not, we are not perfect. Everything that we touch does not turn to gold. I'm sorry to break the news to you on this podcast, but we have some amazing, amazing things happening that, and going on. Every single problem that we create, we find the solution for it and we make sure that it doesn't happen again. And so every year we get better, we get stronger, we get bigger and we grow and we build the foundation deeper and deeper and deeper to the point where we can continue to grow without any issue, without any problems. And the problems that we get, the reason we make the money that we make guys, remember that is because you are paid to solve problems. The bigger the problems, the more money that you can make. So before I sign off here, there's one more thing. And I opened this up. To, this was in April. So we had our event in April. We had a quarterly event for Blackjack Real Estate. And one thing that I want to do is I want to read what some of my staff members asked of me. And I wrote it down here and I look at it a lot because I really want to figure out how to be the visionary that they need in that company and listen to them. Because I, we basically said, what, what can I do for you guys? Like, what do you need from the visionary of the company? And I'm, just, I'm not going to share the names of who said it, but I'm just going to share what they said. So one of them said, can I spend more time with other staff members? So can, can Bill spend more time with some of the other staff members? And so what I did was I put together a, uh, a monthly, we do a monthly call. So our monthly, uh, we call it a town hall meeting. So where I get on and we talk about how we're doing and I give some uh, pats on the back for some of the people who are doing incredible things inside the company. And it's a Zoom meeting. We're all virtual. There's about 15 people that come on there. And after that, I stayed after this year and I talked about financial, personal financial development. So what are they investing in? What are they um, uh, about budgeting, about net worth, how to calculate their net worth, about debt. I talked about IRAs and 401ks. I talked about what, uh, you know, stock market. I talked about investing in real estate, rental properties. I talked about all these different things and I gave them the opportunity to jump on and spend some time with me. And um, because I, I think what that was, was I just wasn't giving enough FaceTime to them. They are seeing me once a month and that's it. And that's just for, you know, 45 minutes to an hour and then they're going. So that was one, one thing that I still, uh, I still want to do a lot more of. Um, so uh, this one's obvious it's Nate, but be more vocal with Nate of what he needs to do. Um, so I think, you know, Nate was saying just, talk to me more. I need more feedback. I need that feedback loop. Um, I'm very good at showing somebody the, the finish line and expecting them to know how to get there. And Nate is as well. So just giving him feedback. And I, we talked about that in our CEO, COO event, Dash 2 event that we did in, in Nashville. And I think that we solved this problem. I think we are much better at being vocal with each other. He's way more open to talk to me about different things now. And we worked through that over the, that, those nine months. Um, give, give regular feedback to the team. And, um, and I see that. So I, I make sure that I'm giving feedback when it's, when it's needed, uh, not just bad stuff. Remember when we're the leaders, when we're the owners and the visionaries and the integrators, we're pretty much always just saying what they're doing wrong, but also talking about what they're doing right. And, uh, somebody else said, be more involved. They want to see the big picture. The team wants to see more of the big picture. So continuously sharing that on my monthly calls, I make sure that I'm talking about kind of what I'm thinking about where we're going and things like that. And then somebody else said, show more emotion. So um, one thing that I have been working on is figuring out how to show more emotion. So if you're smiling and people can hear you that you're smiling, right? So if you're smiling, I tell, we talk about the people on the phone, if you're on the phone and you're smiling on the phone, you're having a good time, then they can feel that you're smiling. They can actually hear it. So being more uh, emotional. So at Flip Hacking Live, I really worked on that in October. I really wanted to show a little bit more of my kind of emotion. So uh, some of the failures that I had, some of the struggles, a little bit more about my background, my family, and a little bit more about where I think all of this came from. So I'm still working on that. I'm not the most emotional guy in the world. You can ask my wife. Uh, it's kind of uh, very, very business oriented. So I really have to work on that. So it's something that I'm continuously working on. And that's another thing that I think that 2019 did for me. It really showed me who I was. I got to know myself really, really well this year. And I put myself in some very challenging situations like taking over a business in the middle of the year this year and having an event a couple months after that, I just had to figure out how to get it done. Like that's massive problem solving. I got to know myself really, really well. And it, I also remembered what it was like when I started my business, Blackjack 
because I remember not sleeping. I remember working 20 hour days. I remember all of that again that I had forgot about over the past two or three years since we've been successful because I was thrown right back into that in when I bought this company and really trying to make it my own. So looking back, I think 2019 was just, it was an amazing year. And I, I think we're all going to overestimate what we do in a year and underestimate what we can get done in 10, just like Bill Gates said. But what I challenge you guys with is, is really sitting down and not making it a year to year sprint and really look at your 10 year. So if you're underestimating what you're going to do in 10, start moving that up and start working it back. Then what are you going to do in three? And then what are you going to do in one? And be realistic with yourself because what we do is we put ourselves under so much pressure and stress to hit these numbers and these things that we, we think that are possible. If everything perfect, if everything goes right, everything is exactly how we want it is perfect. And what happens is halfway through the year, we go, I don't think we're going to make it. We start getting frustrated or we get, um, we get overwhelmed. And that's the time where you need to be you need to be strong. You need to be looking at the long term, the big picture. And it's not one year. Even our mastermind members, I feel like what they do is they come in and they see a, it's 12 month membership, right? They come in, they're like, I, at 12 months, I have to be here. I have to be at seven figures in 12. I have to go from never done a deal to getting to seven figures in 12 months because it's a 12 month membership and I have to do it. And that's what, that's what they, that's what everybody's, people have done it before. I have to do it. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to look at this like, uh, I failed after those 12 months. This business, it took me four and a half months to put my first dollar in the bank. We just had a guy who did his first mailing, did his first deal, posted a $9,500 check today. And it's amazing to see that. It's amazing to see that. But it's not always going to be like that. And what we do is we put ourselves under so much pressure and so much stress to make the next year so perfect. And then we beat ourselves up and we don't hit it. So, I don't want to talk too much about 2020 because this podcast is about looking back and looking in the rearview mirror. And 2019 was an amazing year for me. And it was an amazing year for the real estate business, the real estate industry, the, the you know, financial sector, the economy, people, the job employment is so, you know, unemployment is so low. It's just, it's been an incredible year. And I don't think that's going anywhere anytime soon. But just looking back, sometimes it takes looking back to realize how far we've come. And what we do all the time is we, we compare today to yesterday instead of 365 days ago. And I know that I have come an incredible, I've, I've made an incredible journey these last 12 months. And the growth that I've seen of myself and getting to know myself and being able to jump into another company that wasn't mine and take it where I've been able to take it with the support of everyone that I have. And it's just amazing to see what's possible when opportunity meets preparation because I've been preparing for that with my other company for four years. And then I put myself in the position to get that opportunity presented to me and you guys look at it as luck. And I do too. I feel like, you know, uh, I am lucky. I'm lucky because I've worked so hard to get to the place I am to be able to get lucky like I have. So I don't know where you guys are in your journey, where you are in your business life or your spiritual life or your financial goals or your personal professional development or your relationship or your physical health. But as you sit down and look and give, take stock of what happened the last 12 months, and hopefully you do, I hope you're probably listening to this thinking about your journey and you probably zoned out a couple of times when I was talking and you're thinking about what has happened for you over the last 12 months is I really encourage you to sit down and do what I've done because this reflection that I did is unbelievable to see how far that I've come over the last 12 months. And it may be super proud of what's happened. And it's given me a lot of energy to move forward in 2020 because of when I look back and see how far I've come. Even though when I was sitting here the day of when I was preparing for this thinking, I, I don't think that I've come that far. I feel like I look the same. I feel like I'm about the same as then. So sometimes it takes sitting down and taking stock of what you've done over the last 12 months to see how far you've come. So I encourage you guys to do that because that's going to give you the power to move into 2020, into this new year, this new decade to, you know, become a better version of you, to build a 
bigger business, a better business, whatever you want to build, build, you know, team, be a better leader, be a better father, a better husband, a better follower of God, whatever it is for you, you know, becoming more financially wealthy, becoming, getting more time back, um, building yourself personally and professionally and be prepared for that and start figuring out what you're going to do in 2020 to meet those goals. How, what are you going to focus on? What are you going to do? How are you going to get there? So, um, thank you so much for spending this time with me. Uh, hopefully you guys got a lot out of this. I really, I really hope that my failures, my struggles, all the things that we didn't do this year encourage you because maybe you look at us like we do everything right. Like Dana did. Maybe you look at us like we, we just know exactly what we're doing all the time and we don't. I don't and I know my team doesn't and I don't ever want them thinking like they do because when we've got it all figured out and we know everything, uh, we're just going to get bit right in the bottom and, and start going down. That's when, that's when those, those good companies become bad companies. So, um, all right. Thank you so much for spending time with me and please, guys, subscribe on YouTube. We got a seven figure flipping channel on YouTube. Lead us, leave us a rating and review on the podcast. And um, as you're getting prepared for next year and you're looking for these personal development, professional development, I highly encourage you guys to come out if you haven't before and to Flip Hacking Live. And if you have come, come back. We're going to be in Orlando this year, October 15th through the 17th. Uh, get your tickets. Uh, our tickets are going to go up on December 31st at midnight. So come January 1st, the ticket prices are going to be more. So uh, like I talked about before, get your tax write off, get your tickets and come hang out with us. And uh, I'm going to share a lot of this and more uh, with another, you know, 20 speakers there about what we're doing in the real estate industry and the, and the professional industry. You know what, this is an entrepreneurial event. So October 15th, 16th and 17th in Orlando, fliphackinglive.com. You can grab your tickets and thanks for spending time with me. I really look forward to seeing what you guys accomplish and, and jump in, jump into our Facebook groups, jump into our, um, the bill out my bill Allen fan page or the seven figure flipping Facebook group and let us know what you guys have, uh, have done in 2019. If you're part of our mastermind group, then jump into the runway or altitude Facebook groups and, uh, and put in there, you know, give me a report. Look, when you look back, just, um, tell me, tell me how things went for you. And I'd love to see this. You guys look back on your journey and see how incredibly far you've come, even if it's not what you thought it was going to be. So, uh, thanks so much for spending time with me and I'll see you guys on the next podcast. Bye. Okay. I'm back again. I hope you guys didn't sign off right after the end of that podcast. I hope you had an awesome Christmas and incredible time with your family, with friends, with everything that you were doing and taking some time off and some vacation. So it's interesting right after I recorded that podcast, I got a text message from Andy McFarland, my mentor, who a lot of you guys know. And you know, four years ago, I joined this group, seven figure flipping and looking back and doing that podcast, I just felt a little bit deflated that how much we struggled throughout 2019, the things that we, we did well, the things that we didn't do so well. And then I got this message from him, which was a video that he made for me. And I wanted to share it with you guys real quick. I got Andy's permission, so he's fine with it. And it's really, it really kind of lifted me back up. And it just goes to show that there, the opportunities that you guys have available to you are out there. You don't see the progress that you're making, but in other people's eyes, a lot of times your progress is a lot more than you think it is. So I wanted to share this with you guys. Hopefully you get something from it. I really uh, am honored to have gotten that message and to really, that kind of changed everything for me. It was two days after I recorded this podcast that I got this message. So it was, um, it was really nice to, to hear this from my mentor, the person I look up to that I've been chasing for years to get something like this. So uh, Andy, obviously still a big part of our community and involved in everything that we're doing. And I'm humbled and honored to have gotten something like this. And it just goes to show guys, you don't know what progress you're making out there on a year to year basis. So if you don't think you've come as far as you wanted to in 2019, that's okay. I bet you came a lot further than you think looking back. So and especially with other people see that. Um, all right. Uh, enjoy this. And I will see you guys at Flip Hacking Live. You've got a couple more days to buy your tickets. FlipHackingLive.com. I'm going to give one more shout out before the end of the year and we jack the prices up a little bit. So I uh, hope you guys had an awesome Christmas and are ready for New Year's. And I hope your 2020 planning is going really well and you're ready to start knocking it out of the park here in a couple days. Bye. Today, December 11th, is the four-year anniversary of our initial call. You probably don't remember that, but I looked it up like 
a year or so ago and I noted it, so I like, had to put it in my calories. So I put it in my calories today. So today is the four year anniversary of our initial call. I remember that call, you remember it, but dude, since that call, uh, you have uh, you have blossomed like crazy. You are, uh, dude, you're my inspiration now, man. You're, you're doing so much awesome stuff. Like you're leading so many people and you're like taking this thing to the next level. So just wanna let you know, uh, I remember that day and I appreciate you, appreciate your friendship, everything you are. Dude, my life is better because I know Bill Allen. Love you, brother. Uh, let's catch up soon. I know, dude, I know you're busy because you're busy doing like, you're taking care of the world. So um, thank you for all you do, man. We'll talk to you soon. Oh, and looking forward to seeing you on the cruise too. Uh, bringing bringing the kids. I think you know that. So um, that's going to be awesome. Super looking forward to that. Thanks for listening to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast with Bill Allen. If you want to grow and scale your house flipping or wholesaling business, check out more insider tips and strategies from the nation's most successful real estate investors at sevenfigureflipping.com.